Praise the Lord. I would have you uh, start today in Romans 1, verses 14. And uh, how many of you remember what I shared last week? Zero. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I, uh, but Paul uh, talked about that he boasted and he he boasted in nothing but the cross Christ and him crucified and that was last week's message but this message today uh, coincides with that for it is also the title of it comes from Paul as well for I am not ashamed of the gospel for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1, I will read verses 14 to 18. Say this. Paul said of himself, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the gospel that is, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And I know we rank one sin above another and and. And usually our rankings depend on whether or not we're guilty of the sin or not. Right? Our sin isn't quite bad as your sin. At least I don't do what you do. That's usually how it works. Right? But regardless of rankings and all that other stuff, if it's unrighteousness, if it's ungodliness, it's sin. And it being sin... It suppresses the truth. You know, to me, that's a motivation to walk in the righteousness of God, to walk in the truth of God. Because when I do otherwise, I may not look at, I may not look at it that way, but when I walk in unrighteousness as I proclaim the name of Christ, what I'm doing is suppressing the truth. There are those who don't know the truth that I'm walking in. They don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship with him. So what they see in me is going to be the, the, the reflection, the opinion, the picture that they see of Jesus. And if it's not a true one, then I'm suppressing the truth by my walk. If the attitude they're seeing in me doesn't reflect him, then I'm suppressing the truth that I ought to be proclaiming in Jesus' name. Amen? But Paul said he is not ashamed of the gospel. 
If for him to say he's not ashamed of it tells me that one can be ashamed of it. And if it's, you know, this ain't about the believers. I'm talking to believers right now. Right? Paul is a believer. He says, I'm not ashamed of it. Let's take a look at that word ashamed. I, I had to go to the dictionary. And it had, it said ashamed, embarrassed or guilty because of one's actions, characteristics, or association. For example, you can say, I'm ashamed of my behavior last night. Embarrassed or guilty because of one's actions, characteristics, or associations. A second definition given was reluctant to do something through fear of embarrassment or humiliation. So you can be ashamed of something that you've done, or you can be ashamed to risk doing something for fear of. Or you could be afraid to risk doing something for fear of being humiliated or shame being reflected on you. It's rather, it's what I should have said. So what Paul means by this statement is he's saying, I am not embarrassed to be associated with the gospel. I'm not embarrassed to walk in obedience to the word of God. Now, the word of God, there are things that God commands me to do as an ambassador for Christ. That as a man of God, other men might say, if I, if I do that, then you're being weak. You're being a punk. You're not being strong. You need, you know, you, you, you need to do better by yourself. Because the standard of the world is that you fight fire with fire. That turn the other cheek stuff, that doesn't work in the battlefield. I don't hear any amens, but I know what I'm saying is true. And he's saying God's word says what it says. And either we are proud to be associated with it or we're ashamed of it. And we've got to get to the point to where, like Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the word of God. What it says, it says. And, 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 and I'm going to walk in obedience to it no matter what the world says. If it says, you know, in the world, and unfortunately, I don't want, we know the world, uh, the unregenerated world is walking in sin. I ain't talking to the world right now. I'm talking to the body of Christ. Unfortunately, too much of the world is reflected in the body of Christ. And that's not on the world, that's on us. We ought to be in the world, but not of it. Right? And so that's our challenge. How do we Walk in a manner that honors God, but we are in this world, but we're not of it. We're not tainted by it. The, the, the standard of the world doesn't have undue influence on my heart and, and on my mind and on my attitude and my actions. I'm free to walk in the righteousness of God. 
because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I don't have anything to prove. Just like Satan did with Jesus, he may come to me and say, if you're the son of God, prove it. I don't have to prove a doggone thing to you, devil. Because I know who I am in Christ. And I am confident in my Lord and Savior. I am confident in the salvation that I have in him. That, that the only marching orders I need are the ones he gives me. And he calls me son. He calls me daughter in the name of Jesus. And what he says is truth. And that, and that truth is all that matters. I don't have to prove anything to you. Amen. And so he's not ashamed to, to, uh, of whatever actions the word of God requires of him. It may seem like foolishness in the world, but, but, but it's the gospel truth. He's not ashamed to be associated with it. And likewise, that second definition, reluctant to do something through fear of embarrassment or humiliation. God may be calling me to do something. And if I do it, there's great risk. I could fall on my face. I could, if God doesn't come through, I could look like an idiot. Right? And fear of that can cause us to pause and hesitate and not be willing to take the step in faithful obedience that God's calling us to take. And so, we don't look at it in those terms, but that's being ashamed of the gospel. And Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed. I proclaim the gospel in its simple truth. I walk in that gospel truth. And, 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 and I will walk in obedience to God, no matter how foolish it may seem to others. So if that's what it means to be ashamed, to not be ashamed, then what does it mean to be ashamed of the gospel? Well, flip it. It's the opposite. I don't, I don't really need to do a dissertation on that, you know. Uh, when we are hesitant to proclaim the gospel, when we're hesitant to witness, when, when we are hesitant to, to make a stand in the truth, when we are hesitant to obey God in attitude, in, in, in our heart attitudes, when we justify flesh carnality, when we when we justify attitude of the flesh, instead of holding ourselves accountable to what we know to be right and true in the word. You know, what Paul said last week, you know, he said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, he's like, look, despite all of my knowledge, in spite of all of my wisdom, in spite of all of my accomplishments, I endeavor to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. I know a lot of stuff. And I could wow you with my wisdom. I could wow you with, 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 with my words. But that won't do 
you any good whatsoever. So when I'm among you, believer or unbeliever, particularly when I'm among unbelievers, the thing that you need most is to know that there is a God in heaven that loves you, that gave his only begotten son for you, right? Who wants to spend eternity with you. And and we talk about the cross. We're not ashamed of the cross because Jesus wasn't ashamed of the cross, right? We're not ashamed of the cross because it's the power of God unto salvation. Are you hearing me? So we're not going to give in to worries and anxieties and fears about possible humiliation or shame. We're going to hang in there with the Lord. Like last week, this is an exhaustive list. But I'm going to give you two things, two reasons not to be ashamed of the gospel. And the first reason is already in our first uh, passage that was read in Romans 1, verse 16. First reason not be ashamed of the gospel is because it is the power of God unto salvation. If we go a little bit earlier in Romans chapter 1, the first seven verses, I'll just read them uh, without expounding too much. Paul introduces himself. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. He realized, I've been set apart for the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to inform the masses that don't know of the good news about Jesus Christ. For the people who weren't there to see him crucified and to see him raised again on the third day. It's, it's, it's my responsibility. I have an obligation to tell those who don't know what they need to know. I've been set apart, and I want you to know you've been set apart for the same reason. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, then like Paul, you have an obligation to share the gospel. You've been, like him, you've been set apart for the gospel. And the world needs you to share it. They need that more than they need your opinion on social issues. They need that more than they need your opinion on cultural issues. They need that more than they need anything else in life. Because we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. See, you don't just die in this life and and those who know Jesus are the only ones that will live in eternity. Everybody's going to live in eternity. Some of us are going to live in eternity with God and others are going to live in eternity separated from him in the lake of fire, in constant torment. Because they believe the lie that the devil told them. You don't need no God. There is no God. You're, You're your own God. 
There is nothing beyond this life. That whole gospel thing is a lie. And, 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 and you know what? In order for them to believe, they're going to need those of us who know the truth to proclaim it. To not to be ashamed of possible scorn or mockery or any blowback that might come with it. Because there are those out there that are convinced there's no God. There's a society that's influenced and run by Satan whose objective is to squelch the truth, to cover the truth, to keep people from coming into the knowledge of the truth. And we're going to be having to go face to face against that stream. We're going to have to resist that and we're going to have to push through it and proclaim that gospel that he doesn't want them to hear. But the Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Right? So if we are taking into the world what God called us to take into the world, then the gates of hell cannot bear up against it. The gospel will penetrate the hearts of, uh, uh, the hearts of men and women in the world. Amen? So, so if we prioritize the gospel, the good news will get through. And, the, and, and, and no wall, no gate, no, no, no obstruction that the enemy puts up will be able to stop it. But he set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised. Now, the, the gospel is what God promised, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. He's talking about Jesus and what he endured on the cross. It was prophesied, right? And, and, and he died in the body, but, but he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead on the third day. See, the cross isn't just about a death. It's about a resurrection. It isn't just about suffering the penalty from sin. It's also about redemption. Cleansing from sin, reconciliation with God. Amen? So, so, so there is victory. There is overcoming. There is eternal life through the cross. Right? And so, and then he goes on and says, he, he, he names it. He spits, he spits it out. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. You know, faith requires obedience. Faith isn't just believing, right? Faith without action is dead. It's useless. Faith, faith, faith is acted on. And, and, and that has to be a part of our gospel message. Faith is acted on. Faith is action. And I highlighted this, and I'm sorry, it's a little bit choppy here, but this doggone run-on sentence goes several verses. Obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus. Man, that struck me. Because 
the gospel message, we need to be telling people who don't know the Lord, you are called to belong to Jesus. The Lord is calling you. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and we need to let people know whom have been rejected by society or don't know what love is, that you are called to belong to Jesus. Jesus wants you. Your, your, your parents may have given you up. You may feel abandoned. But God wants you. And he wants you so much that he gave his son to make a way for him to have you for eternity. He wants you to come to him as you are. Humble yourself. Acknowledge that you are lost. You're a sinner in need of a savior. And yield yourself to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But he told them, that includes you who are called to belong to Jesus. How many people in our society, how many people in your sphere of influence are called to belong to Jesus? They don't belong to him yet, but they need to hear from you that they are called to belong to him. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the first reason that we should not be ashamed. Apart, if it were not for the cross, we would all still be lost in our sins. The cross is at the heart of everything. Apart from the cross, there's no hope for us. Second reason. The second reason you should not be ashamed is because Jesus was not ashamed to hang on that cross and to die for you. Jesus knew why he came. He knew it as a boy. When they couldn't find him and they they ended up finding him in the temple as he was amazing all the scholars and everyone else in the temple with his knowledge of scripture. And he said, you were looking for me. Shouldn't you have known that I would be here, that I would be about my father's business? He told his disciples on a number of occasions that he had come here to die for the sins of the world. That they were going to kill him. They were going to crucify him. And like I said last week, he was so committed to it that one time when he shared it and Peter said, no, far be it from you, that shall surely not happen to you. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. This is the Father's will, and I will I will walk in faithful obedience according to his will. 
The father wants to be reconciled with, 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 with his creation. So much so that he sent me, says Jesus. He sent Jesus to ransom us and to redeem us from the curse of sin. But Jesus was not ashamed. And I'm not going to have you go there. We could have gone to Luke 23. We could have gone to uh, Matthew 27. Uh, We could have gone to Mark. Jesus suffered so many things, not just on the cross, but leading up to the cross. He was spat on. He was beaten without mercy. He had a crown of thorns pressed onto his head. He had his face covered and he was struck and mockingly told to prophesy who it is that hits you. And we talk about shame. He had himself stripped of his clothing. They mockingly put a robe on him and gave him a reed, you know, uh, because the charge against him was him declaring himself king of the Jews. So they made him, they openly mocked him, shamed him, embarrassed him. It wasn't enough that they were going to kill him, but, but this is what the religious leaders, the elders, all those who were part of that conspiracy to put Jesus on that cross, this is what they were subjecting him to. And Jesus knew that all of this was coming. And yet he still rebuked Peter. And he still set his face like flint. To obey God. All the way to death on the cross. He saw not only the pain coming. He saw the shame. The humiliation. The embarrassment. He saw it all coming. But for you. And for me. He endured it. Hebrews 12 verses 1 through 3. I want you to consider this verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here we go. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You know what? We need to put ourselves in remembrance to constantly consider Jesus and what he endured for us. We need to do it because in it we'll find inspiration to not faint. In it, we'll find encouragement and strength 
to keep on going on despite what we're having to endure right now in our own walk and in our own story. Consider it. But I want to go back up to verse 2 where it says that for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. We talk about the joy, but I, I, I can't just glance over that. It, what was that joy? That joy was seeing the, us redeemed, us reconciled with him. Right? So he was looking past the pain and past the shame and embarrassment and humiliation, past all that to the fruit of it. Because we're the reasons why he did it. We made it worthwhile. <clears throat> we're the reasons he counted the cost and considered what he was about to go through worth it. That, that, that's the gospel. I mean, who can reject that? You know, if, if, if we're leading with that, if we're presenting that message, there are many people out there, there are plenty of people that are still going to reject it. But that's on them. It's on us if they don't hear it. But this other clause right after uh, the joy is him despising the shame and I look at that a little bit different look, look, I look at that a little bit different in my studying of that because typically when you despise something you loathe it you you know you, you're looking down on it and so forth and so on I got a picture in my, the picture that I believe God gave me about it is, is similar to uh, when Satan is tempting Jesus and Jesus is and Jesus is resisting that he's not giving in to the temptation of the devil who says well if you're the son of God prove it to me he's like no 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 you're appealing to my to my flesh you know I'm hungry I've fasted for 40 days and you're gonna use that to try and tempt me to turn this rock to bread to prove that I'm who I know I'm already am it's not gonna work thou shalt not live by bread alone Right. While he was enduring all this mockery and shame and he's on that cross being mocked by the thieves that flank him and everything, you know, shame is one of those things that if you were to consider it like personify it, consider it like a character that's just like Jesus, just like Jesus having to suffer from Satan, the temptations, shame wants you to give in to it. Shame wants to intimidate you. Shame wants to shake its fist at you and, and grab a hold of your heart and, and, and grab the reins of your heart and dictate your actions and your attitude and your will. And in that moment, shame wanted to grab a hold of his, a hold of his heart and say, you ought to be ashamed. Look at, look at you. You're, you're stripped naked. You still got spittle on your face when they spat on you. Look at you. You can't even recognize it. You've been beat all up. You're, you're wounded. For, for what? But Jesus, when he says he's despised the shame, he's like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm not. I, I refuse to allow shame to enter into this equation. This ain't nothing I should be ashamed about. 
What's, what's going on right here is holy. What's going on right here is sacred. What's going on right here is necessary for the redemption of mankind. That, that I will not be ashamed of whatever I have to suffer to bring about God's will in redeeming mankind. So I'm not allowing shame to have a place. I, I, I despise the, the notion of it. The, 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 I'm, I'm looking at the joy. I, I'm rejoicing over what this is going to bring about. And I think we need to have that same despising of shame when it tries to grab a hold of our minds, tries to grab a hold of our hearts, because the devil will use shame to entrap you and keep you stuck. And the very thing that God has redeemed you out of, shame keeps you tethered to it. And it's time to break the, it's time to break the chain. It, it, it's time. The only thing, it's, it's been a few years since I've used this analogy, but uh, I, I heard uh, Tony Evans uh, give this like 20 years ago, and I never forgot it. We talked about how they trained elephants at the, used to train elephants at the circus from the time they were little. Right? They'd have this wooden stake in the ground. They'd have the chain hooked to the elephant's little ankle. And they got them trained that, they're, that they can't really go beyond the length of that chain. And if, and if this table is a little stake in the ground, they, they train them. As long as this thing is on your ankle, in their minds, they can't break free from it. If they're tethered to it, that's the limit. Their limits are the extension of that chain. They can't go beyond that. And a lot of times, that's what shame does to us. Right? The thing that we did last week that we regret, the shame of it. Right? Jesus says, you know, that we come to him repentant. The word of God in 1 John 1, 9 says we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't just mean, oh, I can do whatever I want. I got a pass. I just first John 1 9 it. No, we got to be serious about it. And we've got to be truly repentant for it. But if we have a humble and repentant heart, we bring that to God and we confess that sin. He forgives us and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I tell you what, that's gospel. That's good news. Because there are millions of people still stuck to traumas and regrets and shame that go all the way back to childhood. Right? I'm 52 right now, but 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 there have been things in my life that when I was 35, 40, 45, that something would trigger maybe an argument, something that Christy did, something that Christy said or one of my kids done, uh, whatever, it triggered me. And in that moment, I, be, I, I regressed. I became that 14-year-old boy again. I, I'm 45, but the 14-year-old boy, that tr the trauma of that never got resolved. And, 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 and it gets triggered. And, and this grown man in that moment acts like the little boy that he is in that moment because he's still tethered. Never having been freed 
from, from the hurt, from the shame, whatever it is. And there are so many of us that one way or another, we are tethered to something and, and we can't even tell people about it. Shame tells us, uh-uh, you've done pretty good, you've built some relationships, but if they knew that, those relationships are done. It's time for us to despise shame. So no, 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 no. My redeemer who lives, my redeemer who paid for all of my sin on the cross, right? He, all that got nailed to the cross. And, and this may be a shameful experience in my life, but I'm not going to become a prisoner to shame. I, I despise you, shame. I'm going to walk in the freedom and liberty of the salvation that has been provided for me through Christ Jesus. And, I, and if, I need, if I need healing, I'm not going to allow shame to stop me from reaching out for the ministry that I need. I'm not going to let shame stop me from talking it out and, and being transparent and real about here is what I'm struggling with. Here is what's happened to me. Here is what I've done. And, 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 and I, need, I need some healing here. I need some accountability. I need to let somebody in to help me walk through this and, and, and overcome it. Amen? And so, I, I really, a little bit of an ad lib there, but I really felt like I needed to speak to that. But Jesus was not ashamed to suffer the cross, so why should we be ashamed of it? He despised, in fact, he despised shame. And I think it's time we, we did the same. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And we probably don't remind ourselves enough that we are that joy that was set before him. You, you, you are the joy. You, whoever's watching, you are that joy that was set before him. He loved you so much that he could not leave you in the sinful and lost condition that you were in. So he did something about it at great cost to himself. Because that's how much you matter to God. So I will conclude the message going back to verse 16 and 17. For those two reasons, after giving you those two reasons that we should not be, I will conclude the message with Paul's words in Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, the very ones I started the message with. For I am not ashamed. And, uh, uh, say that with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Let's say that again. For I am not ashamed 
of the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, it being the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, not our righteousness is revealed in the gospel. It's the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God that we receive by grace through faith. That which he has accomplished and and made a way to give it to us as a gift and we just need humble ourselves and receive it by faith. The word gospel means good news. So gospel is good news. Isn't this this good news that, that I've been preaching about today? It's good news. It's good news. We need to proclaim the good news in in our corporate setting, but that good news needs to be proclaimed and fanned out there in the community as well, wherever. You don't need to win everybody to the Lord, but you do need to proclaim that good news where you can, where God has assigned you, with the people you have influence with. That good news is reason enough to rejoice and reason enough to stand confidently and boldly proclaim it. I challenge you. Be strong and of a good courage. Stand firm. Don't in any way be ashamed to be identified or associated with the gospel. Get out of your head. You may not be the best talker, the best presenter, but that's okay. Not every one of the disciples were either. God called fishermen. A doctor. A Pharisee. People from all walks of life. Because our our skill or our exceptionalism is not needed by God. Oftentimes, it gets in the way of what God wants to do. What he needs is just for us to, to be the truest sense of the word disciple. Lord, I surrender all. I I sit at your feet to learn from you. I'm your servant. My life belongs to you. I will obey you, Lord. No matter what. So be courageous in identifying with Jesus with no fear, no anxiety, no fear of shame or humiliation or embarrassment.
my God deserves any shame that might come from me walking in obedience to him, that shame will be, to me, it's worth it in order for him to be exalted and proclaimed. Just like he deemed me worth it in order for him to endure the, the mocking and the beating and the crucifixion and the being stripped naked. Every, in every way he may have had dignity, they stripped it from him before they nailed him to a cross. So I'm not going to let my dignity get in the way. Potential shame or embarrassment get in the way. Of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I'm going to ask you to stand. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father God, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, it is my prayer and my hope that everyone within the sound of my voice will be challenged and encouraged afresh. To not be ashamed of the gospel in any way. That, Father God, that we will get to a point that we will look shame in the face and, and we will look at it with derision. We will look at it and, and, and despise it and say, I refuse to be ashamed to do anything my God tells me to do in the name of Jesus. I refuse to walk according to his truth and his holiness and his righteousness and be ashamed by that. I refuse to be ashamed with somebody calling me a Bible thumper. I, I, I refuse to be ashamed with someone calling me a Jesus freak. I, I, I refuse to be ashamed by that. I, as a matter of fact, I will be honored by that and I will wear it as a badge of honor and a badge of courage because I'm not ashamed to be associated to be affiliated with, to be identified with the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of salvation, the power of God unto salvation. And I'm going to act like it. I thank you for challenging us in this way, Lord. And, I, and, and Lord, I just thank you for the fruit that shall come as we are all inspired and, and challenged afresh, Father God, to to stand strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. And as we do so, Lord, I pray that we do it in a faithful obedience to you, that we're directed by your spirit, Lord, not by self-effort, but that we're mindful to walk in obedience to you, fully yielded to how you're moving and operating in us and, and, and how you're directing us, Lord, because we want you to be exalted in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Love you guys. The Lord bless you. And I do want to avail, make available time for, for prayer. Uh, if there's anything that, if this message spoke to you in a way and, 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 and God has brought something to you that's been a challenge for you, um, don't just take that for granted and walk out. Let's, 
let's deal with that. Let me give me the benefit and the honor of praying with you along those lines, and 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 we'll see what God wants to how He wants to direct you going forward. But 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 let's do something with what we've heard today. Amen. All right. Lord bless you guys.